Random Inks Productions presents the Credible Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Mark. What's up, my nerds? What's up, Nerd Nation? It's Justin from the Credible Nerds Podcast. And as always, I have my co-host with me, Mark. This is Season 2, Episode 3, and we're here to talk to you about The Wheel of Time, a 15-book fantasy series about Randall Thor, the Dragon Reborn, an epic fantasy series that was written by Robert Jordan and is hopefully going to be a television show from Amazon Studios. It's currently in production. Scripts are being written. But it hasn't been picked up yet, so hopefully that happens here in the near future. So in our year anniversary show, we talked about, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the Wheel of Time and our fantasy casting for that show. And for those of you who are like, wait a minute, you guys talking about Wheel of Time on your one year anniversary show? What's going on here? If you don't know, Mark and I have been reading the Wheel of Time for quite a while. If I remember correctly, that was like one of the first books we kind of nerded out over. Um, That's one of the first things I remember talking to you about. And I don't know if I shared it with you or your brother shared it with you, but then you started reading it. And we kind of, from what I remember, that kind of started our our nerd genesis. Yeah, I don't remember how I started reading it. I don't even remember when. I know it was before... Winter Heart came out for sure. I don't remember when how I got into it. I don't remember if it was you or Jeff that gave it to me. Yeah, or maybe you were already reading it, and then we just like, "Hey, Wheel of Time, yeah." That might have been it. You guys may have seen me reading it, and we're like, "This guy's so cool. We're gonna read this book." I bet that's how it happened. No, I started reading it way before you. Before I met <laughs> you. Before I met my wife. So, anyways. That's kind of what we started to bond over. So we have a soft spot for the Wheel of Time, and now they're making it, well, not officially, but they haven't ordered a pilot or anything. But there is someone who's writing the scripts for the first season. His name is Rafe Judkins, and he's active on Twitter mostly. If you want to look him up, at Rafe Judkins, R-A-F-E, J-U-D-K-I-N-S. And he's been releasing photos of the scripts and he has a Wheel of Time Wednesday type thing he does. So if you're interested in the Wheel of Time or want to know more, check him out, especially on Wednesdays. But recently on Wednesday, September 13th, he had a Q&A with a Wheel of Time fans on Twitter. So what I wanted to do was kind of just go over some of these questions and answers and then we'll talk about them. But Rafe Judkins, he's he's a screenwriter. He's done some episodes of Chuck, Shield, Uncharted, um, The Last Amazon. I haven't heard of that one, but so he has some experience. He's done some some TV. Uh, but going on, let's see what he says. One of the common one. One of my questions. I'm trying to look for the one that I have that I had, which was basically. Um, you know, how many seasons or books per seasons are you going to do? Is there going to be a correlation there? He, Mike Snowsell 
asked him, which storyline are you primarily writing? Rafe Judkins says, can you clarify? He responds, in Eye of the World, you have the Matt, Rand Matt Tom storyline, Perrin Egwin, Moraine Land, Perrin and Egwin, and then Moraine Land Nynaeve storylines. Which are you focused on the most? Or maybe my thinking is all wrong and how the total story is divided up. Is it all written per episode? So he replies, we will hopefully follow all of those stories very fully. That's one of the beauties of TV is following multiple point of views in one episode. So he's basically asking when the the group splits up, are you just going to follow one, one of those groups or are you going to follow all of them? And he says all of them in one episode. Does that make sense? Uh, I I can see that kind of like how they're doing game of Thrones uh, where they have multiple storylines and they'll kind of hop through and so at the end of the episode, a lot happens, but you only got to see like, you know, five to 10 minutes from each character. Okay. So it works and it works so well because they did a good job building it up at the first, doing good, you know, introducing storylines and what people are doing. Uh, that way you didn't hop to like a character and you're like, look, I don't know where this guy is with the beep, you know? Yeah. Um, and they did a good job of exiting characters. If a character exited, they made it known. So it's not like, hey, where did this guy go? Um, you know, where where did, you know, whatever happened? So uh, I think that would definitely work. I think that's fine. It, it's, you know, it's been tested and proven that it works. Okay. But you do have to dedicate the the time to do that, you know, to build up characters and, uh, give their story. So, and there's a lot of story to this. And so I think you would need to, instead of 10 season, you know, 10 episodes to a season, maybe you do 13 or 14, you know, uh, that way you have more time to build that up. Yeah. Three, if by space asks, how closely do you anticipate the show to follow the true canon in quotations of the books? Or are you already planning on creating a parallel canon? Are you considering having any of Team Jordan on hand as consultants through the process at all? He replies, I'm telling the story of the books, but as with any adaptation to a different medium, there will be differences. Otherwise, what will people have to scream about after each episode? Hashtag Lady Stoneheart forever. Oh, <laughs> do you get that? No. <laughs> oh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> you're just a quarter of a fan i'm a full fan so i understand um uh it, it's basically so do you remember in the books uh um game of thrones do you remember them at all we, it's been so long since we've read them right vaguely it's been yeah 10 years since i read the last one since it, that last one came out so when they kill Catelyn stark right at the red wedding yeah right they throw her overboard and then she becomes lady stoneheart Oh, back to life. But in the shows, we never see it. She just is dead. Bye. You know, oh. no, no. So kind of probably that that thing, like you know, like yeah, we will have to change some of the story. Like it didn't make sense in the movie to talk about Lady Stoneheart because no one knew what was going to happen to her. Like it still hasn't been resolved. You've only seen her two or three times, and it's kind of a weird storyline anyway. So I'm sure that we'll see some storylines just fade into nothing. Like. 
like we can't follow the storyline. It doesn't make any sense in the long run. You could do without it. Um, case in point, Winter's Heart. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can do things like, and I can also think of, is it Simraj, uh, when he attacks her hut, remember, and she's got all those people in that place, and he spends all that time, we read about it and read about it, and finally he attacks her little hut out, like that little manor out in nowhere, yeah. and she gets away, like that. I could see that entire sequence getting written out, because it just didn't bring anything to the storyline, it didn't do anything or anything but it was there so i think that's kind of what he's saying is like yeah i mean we're gonna have to change some things obviously uh but uh, and write some things out but generally it's going to be the story yeah because and i, I think it's ingenuous uh, disingenuous for him to say like we're going to change the storyline otherwise blah, blah 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 the reason they did that with game of thrones is because the story's not written so they kind of have to guess and get little hints from uh, George R. R. Martin, where, uh, you know, otherwise, up until that point, they followed the storyline pretty good. So I, to, for, for him to really say like, oh, we're going to change it. Like, it's not going to be that changed, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I can see a lot of the IO waste stuff getting written out as well and some weird stuff that happens in through there. Let's see. Tim... I can't pronounce itinerary itiner T at T Cygnus. Sorry. Sorry, Tim. Given that the wheel of time is complete and making a 14 season series is almost certainly not viable. Can you talk about how you decide which books to combine into which seasons? Realistically, what sort of number of seasons do you see it taking? He and Rafe replies, I mean, let's all be honest. I'm going to be condensing in the later middle section of books. Winky face. <laughs> right so he's talking about seven eight nine <laughs> yeah and i think we'll see a faster transition from perrin becoming perrin uh matt becoming matt right the the whole drawn out ordeal with nini eve you know and elaine and um Egwene becoming uh Aes Sedai. i think that that is condensed to be really fast right yeah. Like we're going to see them as kids and all that. And then like over the course of one and a half seasons, instead of like eight books, we're going to see them become who they are. We're not going to see, uh, like I expect, um, by the end of season two for, uh, Rand to have, even I could actually see even see a mid season two have to have Rand have the uh, uh, break the stone of you know stone of tear. Yeah, and I can see actually by one and a half seasons, and by the end of season two, you see Matt kill Caladine. Caladine, how do, how do you say it? Cooldane, Cooldin, Cooldin. Yeah, I could see that happening at the end of season two. That's pretty quick. But it, that's quick. But that's four books in two seasons, right? five books five books but if you think about it like book one we get a see him run from the freaking before they even uh get to camelin camelin before they even get to camelin we spend like 300 pages of them <laughs> running through the forest yeah right like 
you don't need 300 pages. Just do like a couple episodes. Like they leave one episode of them running and then they get to shade our Logoth at the end of episode two, then yeah. shade our Logoth and they get to white bridge and on their way to Kaimlin by the end of episode three. Right. So you're yeah. moving along really quick. You don't need to talk about all the craziness and in there, you can do some good stories with Padden Fane and kind of build his character up. Talk about Egwin, talk, build his character up. You know, uh, we'll get to see a lot of the main characters in those three episodes. So you can start building them up. And someone like Doman, who is introduced in book one, I forgot he was in book one, right? Yeah, yeah he's early. He's in like every book. <laughs> uh, someone like him, yeah, he's there, but you don't need to build that story up. I mean, that's not something that, that's so important to the book. Yeah, And so um, I, I think that I can actually see them moving through it relatively quickly. I mean, and that's how we saw them do it in Game of Thrones. Uh, like it was like from one episode to the next, like they killed Ned Stark. And before Ned Stark died, uh, his son was like a boy. And then all of a sudden he called the banners and he's like this full on man with a beard. You're like, wait, what happened? <laughs> like, yeah. he's like, he went to sleep and woke up like Santa Claus, like what the heck? And so uh, I, I can see them doing that just to move the story along because it's so much story. Um, so I could see by the end of season two, uh, you know, being into book four and five. Yeah. But like I said, those are, you know, you need like 14, uh, 14 episode seasons. Yeah. So Joseph San Diego writes, Wheel of Time has a great deal of content. What is the plan for condensing this into a show that is coherent and retains the major themes from the series? Anything you're sad to leave out? Rafe replies, I think this will come into focus the deeper we get into the series. I imagine most of the things I'll be sad to lose will be actor or budget driven. So he's kind of saying the same thing. You know, they're going to condense it. The more they get into the, the books, they'll realize what they have to shorten and tighten up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's some things that you definitely have to spend more time on, not necessarily more movie time, but more time planning, making good. For example, when they enter the land of the foxes and the snakes uh -huh. and ask them questions, that is a pivotal moment to the entire book. Oh yeah. And so that why you don't have to spend a ton of time on it. Right. Because, um, like, the explanation is long and weary to read. It's so important that you can't afford to, to skimp on the visuals of it, yeah. right? Because, I mean, you got to imagine, if I've read the book, I don't need to know all about the snakes and foxes. You can just show me a snake and fox. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I understand what's going on. But... For the people that haven't read the 19 days and 12 hours, you know, worth of audiobook, <laughs> um, the uh, and that's true. I actually looked that up. It's like over 19 days of audiobook. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, for the people that haven't, they need to have that visual do the reading for them, and uh, so they that can't be skimped on. You have to spend the time and the budget. To, to make that happen. You have to spend the time in the budget, you know, during cer doing certain battles, like the battle with Kaladin or whatever his name is, uh, during the battle when Perrin goes back to the two rivers, right? And yeah. chases out Lord Luke. Yeah. And uh, you have to do, you know, the cleansing of Satan, 
and you know just certain things that have to be done in such a good way that you're going to spend a good amount of budget a good amount of dollars just making a 15 or 20 minute or half an episode scene on and that's okay i think that they they can't be so worried about all that that they skip on that if that makes sense otherwise you're going to have people misunderstanding what's going on yeah yeah they're gonna be smart about it like who's lord luke right like they need to make that connection they need to show that because lord luke while he's not important as lord luke he's important in book 13 and 14 he's a huge part of book 13 and 14 yeah. right yeah. and but he's not known as lord luke then so you need to explain that you need to explain pad and fane you know to uh uh, Mordith. You need to explain, you know, to his different names when he become, you know, all that stuff. Um, I, that's important. And, and so th there's just some things that they, they can't afford to skimp out and in, but there's plenty that they can, there's plenty that they can do. And I think that they'd be doing a, a big disservice if um, like Tarvalin wasn't the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Definitely. Like when, right. When you saw Lord of the Rings, right. And you saw what was it? Gondor. Weren't you like, that is awesome. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the moment you need. Yeah. It needs to have that sort of impact. Definitely. All right. Uh, Henry at captain kebab says or asks, hi Rafe. Good luck with this huge job. My question is generally, what is the age rating you're writing for, for, or the show pitched as? PG, 12A, 15, or 18, for example. And Rafe replies, I want, to, I want it to feel adult but accessible. So it sounds like he's trying to straddle that line of, you know, has consequences. It's, you know, adults will enjoy it, but still it's not too crazy for kids. So I don't know how that's going to work. It's going to be a HBO, we need to censor things out type show. Because there are sex scenes, right? right? There's a, and there's a lot of Aes Sedai that wear skimpy nothings, it sounds like, right? Especially the greens. Yeah. Oh, and then there's Tenchiko where they just wear like a, a very thin sheet <laughs> or right? thin dress. And while I understand, no, I don't understand, but in the stupidity of today's world, uh, big flashy boobies and sex and all that stuff like are somehow this movie maker. <laughs> Yeah. In reality, it's, to me, a distraction and a downer. You know, I, I don't like to watch a show just to see boobies. Like, I, whatever, you're right? I, I don't need to see that. Tell me the story. Show me a good show. You know, stand on the merits of a well-written movie, you know, instead of having to give people cheap thrills to like it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I hope they stay away from that. You know, I hope they... I don't do, and the Aiel, I was just thinking the Aiel, they, they too, you know, they're always like, you know, it's one thing to read about it, but I don't need to see it. You know, like you can make a fine movie without all that stuff. So I hope to stay away from that. I like, I'm crossing my fingers. Like I don't expect it to be like super clean. And I like that they use language that aren't like F this, F that, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, they say burn me and we're, you know, different, different blood and bloody ashes yeah bloody ashes like stuff that are, are swear words in their universe but not to us right so i don't have to be offended by it and so 
I, I hope that they can stay away from that and keep it children appropriate. Right. I think, I think they can do a TV 14. I mean, like with the sea folk, right. The ladies on the sea folk ships, they can just change it. So they're wearing a shirt all the time instead of not well, you know, stuff like that. I wonder if it would be more like TV 17 maybe, or what, what's right before MA. Is it TV 17? I think it's 14. 17 is the video games. Oh, is it? But the reason I wonder if it might be a little bit worse than 14 is because of the Midro. Like, they're they're a pretty scary company, right? And the Trollocs, pretty scary company. Um, I mean, if you even think about Pat and Fane, scary company. Some of the Forsaken, scary company. Um, And then the Battles. You know, the battles, I think, would need to be... Yeah. You know, so that's why I can... You know, like if there's something between TV 14 and MA, make it that. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, Enver at Blunders writes or asks, which storyline is the most difficult to bring to the screen? Rafe replies, Teleron Rioid is an exciting but difficult challenge. Oh. Right? <laughs> yeah, the dream world, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and they can't skip it. Oh, yeah, they can't. It's a big part of the whole story. Yeah, they, they um, that would be tough. Because um, you would have to explain it, you know, and, and you could do some explaining, like when Hopper trains Perrin, you could do a lot of explaining then, mm-hmm. but you would still need to, to do a bit with it so yeah that could be that could be really tricky and i bet really costly as far as you know budget goes yeah well i don't know how costly but it's definitely they got to make it look different because it's definitely you know not real world i think they can do some decent effects with it so tejan amir at tejan amir writes how are you predicting the break between seasons episodes, seasons slash episodes to look with the story from the book? Like I know book one doesn't need to be one whole season. Are you guys chopping it somehow? Rafe replies, there will be lots of chopping and rejiggering to make the story as fluid as possible on TV. So that was kind of my big question is, you know, are they going to do book one is season one, that type of thing. But it sounds like they're just going to, not really go book by book, but story, you know, how does the story flow? And where's, you know, a good break for season one, which I think makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I'd like to see them do all 14 books, but it, I guess it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be 14 seasons. No, I, I see this being eight seasons, eight to 10 seasons. At most They're lucky. I mean, Supernatural is probably one of the longest running shows and they're up to season 14 right now. And that show's been on forever, right? Yeah, so maybe eight seasons. Uh, the hard part is is that only two years passes, right, between book one and book 14. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, obviously you can't do that much in two years, but you need to do it relatively fast enough where... <laughs> You know, you can actually show a two-year timeline has gone. Yeah. I can't watch, you know, uh, uh, 
like you can't have someone like what's that boy's name what's that boy's name that sticks to sticks with matt yeah i can't remember but you know who i'm talking about right that little boy if anyone knows the little boy throw out his name is it always no i don't i don't think it is i don't remember his name but he uh you right he shows up like in book six or something five six and sticks with him the whole time well if he shows up you know in the third season of the book and then eight five seasons later he goes from like seven to you know 12 and he's you know or 12 to 17 i'm gonna be like that silly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and at the same time you can't you can't recast him all the time so i i think that's i hate when they recast characters through the movie i get it happens right but uh, yeah. at least you do it the better so we talked about casting on our last episode or our year anniversary episode james gardner at jam and fez asks my question is, are there any characters who you are writing with an actor in mind? Favorites? Dreamcasting? Answer if you can. Otherwise, keep up the good work. And he, this question was asked in different forms uh, a couple times. And his answer was pretty much what he says here. I try not to write with cast in mind. So he's just keeping that out of the picture, out of his mind. He's right. Yeah. Well, it's tough too because I, I think it's t- just because there's so many characters. Yeah. So I think that's a good idea. Um, but I think too, he's, he's being disingenuous to fans because you know he has somebody in mind. Right. Like when you write certain characters, you're like, oh, yeah, Tom Marilyn, that's this person. Like, I could, I, we got to talk to that guy. Right. You know, he has, you know, that he, he has a feel for who he wants. So let's, I'll read this question and answer and then let's talk about it ourselves. Um, Polina Stoicheva at I Love Moraine writes, which are the five scenes from the first two books that you are most excited to adapt for the show? Rafe replies, Tam and Rand in the Westwood, Winter Night, Tarwin's Gap, Toman Head, Egwene being leashed. So wait, say that again. What are the five scenes from the first two books you're most excited to adapt for the show? So let's just say what are what three scenes are we looking forward to in the first two books for the show? Hmm. For me, uh, it is Winter Nights, kind of that initial attack on Two Rivers, Emmonsfield. Um and then them escaping. And then the next one would be Shadar Logoth, that whole thing. And then another one, probably Rand meeting Elaine and then the Queen, Queen Morghese for the first time. Yeah. Uh, for me, that, yeah, that, that Westwood, I think that's important to everyone, right? Trollocks and Midril are introduced. I uh, we get to see Tam kind of throw down a little bit. I think it's like the big kicker into the movie, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, that one. I think that when they get to Camelin, whatever. Um. <laughs> uh. I think that would be a cool part to finally see like the first big city. Yeah. Um. And their reaction to it because they're just country bumpkins. Yep. And then the introduction for me, the introduction of Elaine, Gawain, and Galad. Yeah. There was one part that I just thought of 
the first part of book two when they're in Shinar in the Borderlands and they're just kind of waiting around and then the Amarlin seat shows up, Swan Sanche. So she shows up, but right before that, there's Lan and Rand training with the sword. And it's just kind of them two talking and, you know, having an understanding and Rand's improving his sword skills. Uh, that part I've always wanted to see on film. That looks, that looks, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, another part I think it would be cool to see on film, and this is kind of a weird part, right? And I don't know why, but do you remember right before the Horn of Valiers blown the first time? Is that book two? Yeah. So right before it, that, that's blown the first time, um, when somebody betrayed that city, right, and opened a door, and the Trollocs got in and killed those people in the dungeons. Do you remember that? Oh, that was. Yeah, that was in Shinar too. Yeah. And before the horn was blown. Yeah, before the horn was blown. And yeah. that guy, like he's with Ran and them and he admits it. He's like, Do you think a guy yeah. can change his you know, what he's done wrong? And he yeah. basically outs himself, right? Yeah. And he's like, Run and then he charges the troll lock so they can get away. Yeah, that was at the Battle of Falm at the end, right? Yeah. I don't know why, and I don't remember that guy's name. I don't know why, but that part has always like kind of stood out to me. Like, like here's a guy who found the light, right? Like uh, he realized what he did. And I don't know why, but that's always such a strong moment to me. Like he, he sees that there's hope that there, that no matter what he believed in, that there's always hope. And then he runs and, and saves Rand, right. And makes it so we see a book three. So uh, I, I've always wanted to see that part. I, I think that would be cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, so many good scenes just in the first two books, right? All right, so um, Matrim Kalthan at Thailand's Toy, uh, <laughs> he writes, who has been the hardest character for you to write so far? And after Elaine, why is Matt awesome? Rafe replies, the hardest so far is Nynaeve. Oh, yeah. So who do you think would be someone hard that would translate over to the screen. Juan. Swan. Tuan. Oh, Tuan. Or Tuana. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah any of the Death Watch guard. I think that's a tough, tough sell. Um, maybe Moradin would be hard. Yeah. Ishmael. Uh, and the reason I say that is because you have to have like equal parts crazy, equal parts hateful, and equal parts remorseful. Like, because like through the books many times, he's not like this, just this crazy hater. Like, and it explains it in some of the books that we're not ever going to read, right? The white book and stuff like that. Um, like Ishmael, like he understands that the will of time turns forever and he fully knows that they've had this battle a million times and for him like uh like his biggest hate and regret is that he's going to be born again and he's going to have to do this all over again he just wants it to end yeah like he like he, he doesn't care like he's like look 
whatever. I just want the dark one to win so I can, this can finally be over. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's what he's about. Like they talk about, you know, he, I want to do this, that, and the other. That's all he wants. He just wants it to be over. And there's times when um, Rand meets up with him in that weird dream world that they, they get sucked into every now and again, you know, yeah. like, I don't know if it's by accident on purpose, like it happens and it just seems like they can't stop it. It's just part of what happens with them. And like, there's times like in there where Morden was like, I remember one time and he just kind of sighs. He's like, Ugh. like, but it's not like a sigh, like, annoyed it's just kind of like i've had enough like oh my gosh you know and he's like what do you want you know he just wants it to be done and so like I, you know it just almost seems like he's not as hateful as the rest but you have to have that hate in there because obviously he chose the dark side but you know he, he's not necessarily a dark side because he you know he, he loves the dark lord he just is done so i don't know i don't know if i'm making sense but i think he would be hard it would be hard for him to convey that. Yeah, it's it's going to be tricky. It's a lot of, like you said, equal parts of this and that, and you know, it's going to be tricky. So, a couple of funny ones. Uh, how many different pairs of pants will Min wear on the show throughout the entire run of the series? <laughs> That's from Min Fairshaw at Min Can Get It. Uh, Rafe replies two. <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Uh, will so Kyle Malfit K Malf at K Malfit. Will Billy Zane be reprising his role as Ishmael? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I think that one. I I couldn't even finish that. It was so brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Rafe replies in capital letters, "No." <laughs> no. <laughs> it would be kind of funny though. Kind of a tongue-in-cheek nod, right? <laughs> yeah. If he was. Uh, I don't know, like maybe a dark friend or something that he gets killed. Yeah, or it'd be kind of just funny, like in the final battle, he's just like one of the Sharons, and he like says, I'm like, charge on, and then just gets killed right away, right? Yeah. <laughs> Riley Sweeney, at Riley Sweeney, asks, Egwene is a divisive character among fandom, although my fave as a fellow community organizer. What do you think is her defining attributes that you would want to bring out in the show? Rafe replies, I'm, I'm obsessed with Egwene. I think of all the characters. She faces some of the most dramatic slash impossible choices in the series. And to me, characters you fall in love with are the ones you, who have to face these choices and come out stronger on the other side. She's going to rock. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can agree with that. She is definitely not one of my favorite characters. I could never connect with her. Um, I just, I don't know why, but... I feel like, I don't know. I feel like she, while she may face impossible choices, a lot of the choices that she was put into was brought in, brought on by her own doing. Yeah. You know, so it's not, it's like it was made impossible partly because of her. Whereas if she would have changed something she did or, or whatever, been more, you know, uh, willing to, negotiate or just whatever right that it would have been easier um so i i don't know i i just can never connect with her i don't know did you like her at times i liked her in the beginning and then as, as she went on and just kind of i don't know she just kind of started to rub me the wrong way and i wasn't 
too interested in her. I started to like, I didn't like Nynaeve at first. And then I started to like her more and more as the story went on. Right. And she, especially when she started supporting Rand and stuff. And I think maybe that's why it bugged me. Yeah. It's like, look, you know who he is and you know what he has to do. And yet you're fighting him. Yeah. I would like say that, that's the reason for me too. Like that's like, like stupidity level. You know, it's like, no, I will not eat this food even though I need it to survive. <laughs> Because I do not like apples. You know, like, that's just how silly it was to me. And I just, it annoyed me too much. Um, I think my favorite part in her is, like, page 900 in book 14, though. <laughs> yeah, you have to read and find out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's the best part. That's great. Yeah. Then I like it. I, as, far, I, as far as men, I've not been a big fan of hers elaine i've always liked avienda i've always liked matt i've always liked perrin is kind of up and down although my recent reread i'm liking him more than i ever have so it's interesting how you know as you reread it or as time goes on you're in a different place in life different characters stand out more than they did before Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm So final question I will read. There's a ton of them over, I don't know how many, over a hundred probably. At Heike Vasanto asks, where character will be hardest to translate to TV? I think we got a similar question like that already. But he replies this time, Bella. It's hard to get the same horse to do every scene. So we'll probably be doing some horse makeup on a team of Bella lookalikes. Really? <laughs> that's that's amazing. That, that's a well thought out answer. Bella is one of the main characters. She was there in the beginning to the end. I I I think at some point in the books, and Robert Jordan will confirm Bella died and they just named another hell horse Bella. <laughs> well jordan's dead so he can't confirm all right so just a reminder we are sponsored by audible.com you can join audible.com and get a free book on us by going to audible.com no audibletrial.com slash random angst you'll get a free book on us you can get the first wheel of time book on audiobook and listen to it it only takes like 10 hours so well worth the free book right but all these books are long so they take numerous hours to listen to but they're really good um you can join up for for free you get the first 30 days for free and then you have to make a commitment which as to which plan you want to join um you can do the one credit a month plan which is what i do at 15 dollars a month which is pretty good pricing if you were to buy it without a plan or just you know, hey, I want to get this audiobook. Do it on your own. It'd be like forty dollars or more. So fifteen dollars definitely a good deal. And you can, you know, cancel at any time if you just want to get six books and then cancel. You can do that. If you want to stay a member for as long as you want and can, you can do that. It's commitment free, is what I'm saying. So definitely go to audibletrial.com/randomangst and get a free book on us.
Also, check us out on patreon.com. Support us on Patreon if you think our podcast is worth a dollar a month, which, I mean, you're getting hopefully an episode a week. So that's 25 cents an episode, which is not bad at all. No strings attached. You can cancel that at any time as well. But join us on patreon.com. Donate a dollar to our cause so we can you know, pay for these costs to run the show. And we'd greatly appreciate it. Right now, we still have just the one subscriber, Corey Hansen. Thank you, Corey. So if you do join up, we will announce your name on the show. Probably give you some swag at some point, but definitely join us there on patreon.com. We love you, Corey. <laughs> you're the bomb, Corey. If you're listening, Corey, tell us what you want, to, want us to do an episode on. You, you've earned that right since you're our only subscriber at this point. Tell us you want us to watch uh, The Witches of Eastwick. We'll watch it and do a review on it. I mean, I won't watch it, but Justin. <laughs> and we will do a review on it. But uh, no, really, we will. We'll, we'll do watch whatever you want. Um, so let us know. Uh, also, a quick reminder, Solo, the movie, Star Wars Solo, comes out tomorrow. Buy it, get it, love it. Are you finally going to get it, Mark, and watch it? I, I, I'm going to get it. I, I'm really going to get it. I told my wife I'm, I'm going to get it, period. Uh, so Yeah, I, we'll have to do another review show with you. Uh, me and Harry did one a while back. Oh, that's nice. I, I wasn't invited. I didn't even know about it. But well, that's... people who only like the show, like Star Wars, can do a review. So, uh, Well, I knew that no matter what in the movie happened, he was going to live. So, <laughs> Yeah. No, no surprise there. No, well, that would have been that would have been interesting. It's like he died. You're like, wait, what? He could have a twin. I mean, that could be the ending. He finds his long lost twin, and then he dies, and it's like, oh, there's two solos. He's not really <laughs> solo. He's dual. <laughs> Han duo. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was a good film. Definitely didn't get the the respect and uh, praise and. Um, notice that it deserved there's some deleted scenes that i'm looking forward to watching so it'll definitely be worth getting and watching a couple of times i saw it three times in the theater it was i liked it every time so go check you, it out you, oh it's already out you can buy it huh must be 12 o'clock eastern time yeah yep i'm buying it right now sweet me too sweet so we want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Credible Nerds Podcast as we talked Will of Time. Uh, this Q&A was brought to you by Rafe Jenkins from Twitter. So definitely give him a, a follow and see what else is going on. He He's a pretty active, especially on Wednesdays, on Wheel of Time Wednesdays. So uh, definitely follow us on Twitter as well as Instagram and Facebook, Credible Nerds. And join the conversation with us. Let us know what you think of this episode. And anything else that you want us to, to address, we can review your feedback and see if we can fit that into our schedule. Uh, we were just talking about Solo, and we do have plans to do another review with that. Mark will be watching it for the first time soon, it sounds like. So we'll be getting together here in a little bit and doing that review show. But stay tuned for future episodes coming up, and definitely give us an email if you want to interact with us that way if you have any questions we'll read them on the show 
thecrediblenerds at gmail.com. You can reach us there or just get in touch with us through social media as well. So thank you guys for joining us, and may you always find water and shade.